Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 15 through 22 one more time, at least one more time, I should say. I'm glad I'm here to read it one more time. Amen? Praise the Father. Good to see everybody that's here. Good to have you, Brother Clifton. Good to see you, brother. I always enjoy seeing Brother Clifton. I appreciate Brother Clifton. Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 through 22. Verses 15 through 18 was our text last month, and verses 19 through 22 has been what we're looking at this month. And today I'll go all the way through verse 22. But we'll begin at verse 15. It's always good to have context. Repetition builds memorization. Memorization builds hiding His Word in your heart. So that's why we repeat things. Galatians 3 verse 15. Brothers, I'm using a human illustration. No one sets aside even a human covenant that has been ratified or makes additions to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say and to seeds as though referring to many, but unto your seed, referring to one who is Christ. And I say this, the law, which came 430 years later, does not revoke a covenant that was previously ratified by Yahweh so as to cancel the promise. For if the inheritance is from the law, it is no longer from the promise. But Yahweh granted it to Abraham through the promise. Verse 19, Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise was made would come. The law was ordered through angels by means of a mediator. Now a mediator is not for just one person, but Yahweh is one. Is the law therefore contrary to Yahweh's promises? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that was able to give life then righteousness would certainly be by the law. But the Scripture has imprisoned everything under sin's power so that the promise by faith in Yeshua the Messiah might be given to those who believe. Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. The last two weeks we've been in verse 19 in Galatians 3. It's taken some time to develop that verse because most of the time when Galatians 3 is read or taught... Little thinking goes in to the reasons for the law of Yahweh. If a person thinks the law is not for us today, then it's easy to pass on by it without much thought. But that's not what we have done. We've looked at three foundational uses of the law. Does anyone remember how we illustrated those uses of the law? We talked about the law as a mirror, as a curb, and as a guide. Never forget that. Mirror, curve, and guide. That's the three uses of the law. The law was not given to justify you, and the law was not given to give you life, as we will see today. But that does not mean that the law is useless. If I need to change one of these light bulbs in the church, I don't need a hammer, and I don't need a chisel. Those are not the tools for the job. But that doesn't mean that a hammer and a chisel is worthless. They do other things. 
the law lasted all the way up to the seed to whom the promise was made until He came. The seed is the Messiah. And the word until in verse 19 denotes a continuance towards a goal. The entire law pointed to the seed of Abraham, Yeshua the Messiah. The word until does not mean that the three uses of the law stop once the seed came, but that we find a culmination or the goal of the law with the coming of Christ. He embodies everything that the law teaches and requires. And He does what the law cannot do. His work justifies us from all of our sins. Now some aspects of the law ceased at the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Those parts within the law have not been observed since that time because Yahweh replaced them with the finished structure. None of those ceremonial things were bad. Far be it that we should ever speak bad of anything that Yahweh has done or does. All of the ceremonial aspects of the law were righteous, holy, and just. But the work of the Messiah, His priesthood, His sacrifice, His temple is better. Any law that governs how we live, any law that we read about in Scripture that we can obey, still stands firm. We call this the moral law of Yahweh or we might call it the way of life for the people of Yahweh. As I mentioned last week, if you are reading the Bible and you come across a commandment that you have the ability to obey, don't ignore it. Don't set it on the shelf. Pray and ask Yahweh to help you be a lover of that commandment. Yahweh's not looking for somebody that's making excuses about how to get out of His commandments. He's looking for people that want to obey His commandments. So we come next to the end of verse 19 and also verse 20 where Paul writes that the law was ordered through angels by means of a mediator. And he says, now a mediator is not for just one person, but Yahweh is one. The law was ordered through angels. That's a concept we don't hear much about, but it's something that I believe that every Hebrew that lived in the first century held to that the angels were used as the vehicle to bring the law of Yahweh down from heaven to earth. Brother Stephen in Acts chapter 7, when he rebuked the rebellious Israelite leaders of his day, he says in Acts 7.51, You received the law under the direction of angels, and yet have not kept it. See, Yahweh used His heavenly messengers to share His law with the nation of Israel. And Stephen points this out to the rebellious Israelite leaders and he adds, yet you haven't kept it. You should know it's holy. You should know it's good. It came from Yahweh who is holy and His holy angels who are also holy, but you still haven't kept it. Now I think that Paul brings up the angels in Galatians 3 for the same reason. He's not bringing the angels to downplay the law, but to upplay the law. He mentions the angels to increase the validity of the law. The author of Hebrews does this same thing in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, where he writes, quote, We must therefore pay even more attention to what we have heard, so that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding, and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment. Transgression of what? The law. Disobedience to what? The law. 
The word spoken through angels, the author of Hebrews says. And he's talking about the law. And he mentions it being spoken through angelic beings. The author's point in Hebrews 2 is that if the word spoken through angels in the Old Covenant was important, and it was, how much more important, he goes on to say in Hebrews 2, is the word spoken through the Son of Yahweh, who is greater than the angels. Now, in our day, we don't normally associate the giving of the law with the heavenly messengers of Yahweh. But we should because it's biblical. Deuteronomy chapter 33. Let's turn to this one if you follow in your Bible. Deuteronomy 33, so you can make a note from Galatians 3 to Deuteronomy chapter 33. I want to read verses 1 through 2. Where we read, it says, This is the blessing that Moses, the man of the Almighty, gave the Israelites before his death. He said, Yahweh came from Sinai and appeared to them from Seir. He shone on them from Mount Paran and came with 10,000 holy ones with lightning from his right hand for them. And the text goes on to speak of Moses and the giving of the law. Now, those 10,000 holy ones, your Bible might say saints, saints and holy ones. That's what saints means, holy ones. Those 10,000 holy ones, I believe that's a reference to Yahweh's angelic messengers. The messengers of His truth. And the Septuagint agrees with me because where we just read the word lightning came from His right hand, the Septuagint reads angels instead of lightning. The Greek word angelos. The angels and the holy ones are the same thing in Deuteronomy 33 verse 2. They're spoken about in two different ways. Yahweh used His angels in the giving of His law. Galatians 3.19, the law was ordered through angels. Paul then says in Galatians 3.19 that not only was the law ordered through angels, but it was by means of a mediator. Now I take the mediator here to be prophet Moses. Moses is another huge figure that we should respect and pay homage to because he was used in the giving of the law. He was the mediator or the go-between between Yahweh and the people of Israel. Moses was one of the two men chosen to be seen at the Mount of Transfiguration when Yeshua's garment changed to this glistening white. Moses was on one side of him and the prophet Eliyahu was on the other side of him. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. Moses was a very righteous man, one of the most righteous men to ever walk the face of the earth. And he was used by Yahweh as the mediator, the go-between between himself and the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 33, the text we just read that spoke of the angels, also says in verse 5, Moses gave us instruction. It says that he became king in Jeshurun. Jeshurun is a Hebrew word that means upright or righteous. It's actually a parallel for Israel, which means ruling with Elohim. Moses was the first king of Israel. He became king in Jeshurun. And one of the reasons that he was lifted up on that pedestal by Yahweh was because Yahweh chose to use him as the mediator for the giving of the commandments, for the giving of the law. In Exodus chapter 24, verse 12, Yahweh spoke to Moses and said, Come up to me on the mountain and stay there so that I may give you the stone tablets with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. And in verse 18 of Exodus 24, Yahweh tells us, or the Bible tells us, that Moses alone went up 
to the mountain to spend time with Yahweh. And he remained there for 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't eat any food. He didn't drink any water. He had fellowship with Yahweh all by himself. Let me tell you that he was feeling very spiritual at that time and after that time. Let me tell you. That's special. Only Moses was there with Yahweh. He was the mediator between Yahweh and the people in the giving of the law. This is why we read in the Bible so many times, you read the phrase, the law of Moses. The person of Moses is interchangeable with the person of Yahweh in this context. Not because Moses is Yahweh, but because Moses is Yahweh's mouthpiece. That's why you read the phrase, the law of Moses. It's still the law of Yahweh, but it's through the mediation of prophet Moses. We see the phrase, the law of Moses, as early as the book of Joshua. It's a phrase that's used over a dozen times in the Old Testament and around seven times in the New Testament. And even our Messiah called the law, the law of Moses in John 7 verse 23. That does not mean that Moses gave commandments different from Yahweh. Doesn't mean that. You say, I'd never think that, Brother Matthew. I've talked with some people that do. It means that Yahweh used Moses to give the commandments. The law was ordered by angels through a mediator. So in Galatians 3.19, Paul mentions angels and the mediator who is Moses in association with the law. Why? Why does he bring this up here? I believe it's to further push the goodness of the law. Any Hebrew that thought about Yahweh's holy angels and the prophet Moses would immediately think of righteousness and truth. They would not think of anything negative, only positive. And I believe Paul brings it up to show that the law is good. He's talking about the Abrahamic covenant and he's saying the Mosaic covenant and the giving of the law doesn't cancel or override the Abrahamic covenant. But Paul wants us to see that doesn't mean the law is bad. That doesn't mean the law is not a good thing. Why the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise was made would come and it was ordered through angels by means of a mediator. Paul's lifting up the law. Verse 20. Paul mentions in verse 20 that a mediator is not just for one person, but Yahweh is one. Now we know that that's a true statement. We know that a mediator comes in for the purpose of mediating between two parties. The mediator is bringing peace or the terms of the contract between the two parties. Sometimes in court you have something called mediation. Okay, Some of you probably have been through that. But why does Apostle Paul bring this up here in verse 20? Now a mediator is not for just one person, but Yahweh is one person is the implication there. The Amplified Bible says Yahweh is one person. Paul is continuing to contrast the unilateral Abrahamic covenant with the bilateral Mosaic covenant. This is why it's so important for us to read things in context. If you just read verse 20 by itself, you don't understand why Paul brings it up in context. Remember last month I taught very heavily on Galatians 3, 15 through 18, and we've still been reading these verses this month for a purpose When Yahweh made those promises to Abraham and to his seed, singular, the Messiah, Yahweh made those promises all by himself. It wasn't ordered through angels. There was no mediator. He even put Abraham to sleep. 
And Yahweh walked between the pieces that were cut, the animals that were cut for the covenant contract. Yahweh did it all by Himself. There was no go-between. There was no mediation. There was no conditions. There was no contracts. All Abraham had to do was trust that Yahweh would perform what he had promised. The Mosaic Covenant is different. There were angels. There was Moses, the mediator. There were conditions. And I think verse 20 is Paul's way of continuing to show the difference between the Abrahamic Covenant and the Mosaic Covenant. A mediator shows that a covenant is bilateral. A mediator is not for just one person, Paul says, but Yahweh is one when He made the covenant promises to Abraham back in Genesis 12-15. through That's why Paul brings this up right here. Yahweh made the Abrahamic covenant all by Himself. The Mosaic covenant was ordered through angels and a mediator, the prophet Moses. Verse 21. Is the law therefore contrary to Yahweh's promises? Now a lot of Christians at this point would answer, well, yes, it's the contrary to Yahweh's promises. We're not under the law. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says, absolutely not. God forbid, certainly not. The law is not, con- not contrary to Yahweh's promises. That's a big difference in answers. Paul wants the Galatians and the Judaizers to see that the law has its purpose. It was not contradicting towards Yahweh's promises. It had its reasons. And we've been over them in the last couple of messages. But the law was not given to annul or to cancel the promises Yahweh made to Abraham and to his seed. That wasn't the reason that it was given. And the law wasn't given as a giver of life. The rest of verse 21 says this. Look at it. For if a law had been given that was able to give life, then righteousness would certainly be by the law. The law is not a life giver. Now one might object, but Yahweh says in Deuteronomy when He lays out His law, choose life. So the law is life, Brother Matthew. My response to that is that the law is a way of life. It's the only way of life. And that's what Yahweh's talking about in Deuteronomy. Anytime we go against the moral law in the way that we live, it brings some kind of death to our life. So the law is the way of life. But Yahweh is not saying in Deuteronomy that the law is the giver of life or that the law imparts life to you. Remember, always read things in their context. Choosing the best way to live is not the same as being gifted with spiritual awakening or spiritual life. As a matter of fact, you can't even choose the way of the law of Yahweh without first being imparted life by the giver of life. Yahweh says, I will circumcise your hearts. I will put my law within you and you will obey. But the obedience only comes after the life has been given. The law is not a giver of life. Yahweh is the giver of life. By His grace. That's what Paul's talking about in Galatians 3.21. If a law had been given that was able to give life, to impart life, then righteousness, that's absolute righteousness, perfection, holiness, innocence, declaration of innocence, justification, would be by the law. But that's not the purpose of the law. The law cannot do that for you. The law cannot give you life. The hammer is not needed to change the light bulb. The law is not designed to give you life. Do you know how you're gifted life? Grace. Grace. 
Grace, grace, Yah's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, Yah's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. That's how you're given life is by grace, not by the law. Your spiritual life comes as a result of grace, not law. And just as I never want my children to forget the importance of the law, I equally never want my children to forget the importance of grace. Grace is why I am alive today. Grace is why I have a desire to please Yahweh today. Grace is why I can sing for joy. Grace is why Yahweh has not killed me a long time ago. And everyone in here needs grace to save them. The law will never justify you or save you. The law will never give you life. Only grace can do that. Only grace. In order for you to even be obedient to the law, you have to be given spiritual life first. In order for you to love Yahweh, Yahweh has to love you first. I tell people it's not so much what are you going to do with Yahweh, but it's what is Yahweh going to do with you. You say, Brother Matthew, don't you believe in free will? Yes, I believe in free will. I believe Yahweh has the free will to do anything that He wants to do. Everybody wants to argue about free will and everybody forgets that Yahweh has the most freest will of all. You are who you are by the grace of Yahweh. You've heard of that saying, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, this is which came first, grace or works. And the answer is grace. That's the answer. Brothers and sisters, grace came first. You love because He loved first. I am what I am by the grace of Yahweh. And you are what you are by the grace of Yahweh. As verse 22 says in Galatians 3, the Scripture has imprisoned everything under sin's power so that the promise by faith in Yeshua the Messiah, the seed, might be given to those who believe. Faith. No one in here, no one outside of here is exempt from the imprisonment of sin. I don't care how you grew up, I grew up in a family of preachers. I grew up in a Christian family. But you know what? That doesn't matter. I'm not exempt from sin's imprisonment. Scripture has put me under sin's power. I'm a sinner too. And that goes for every single human being. I don't care if your family seemed squeaky clean to everybody else. They were still sinners when placed next to the holy and righteous law of Yahweh. Every single one of us has dirty laundry. Every single one of us has skeletons in our closet. Hello. Every single one of us. There ain't but one man that has no skeletons in his closet. That's our Lord and Savior. Every single one of us has problems. Every single one of us has family problems. Every single one of us. You were imprisoned by sin. You were held under the dominion of sin. You were a slave to sin and a slave does not set his or herself free. But whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And now that we have been freed by grace from sin, we are slaves not to sin, but we're slaves to righteousness. We still have a master as believers. We still have a boss as believers, but it's no longer sin. Sin and the devil is not our boss. The law, Yahweh, Yeshua, is who we live for now. Since we've all been imprisoned under the power of sin, there's no big eyes. There's no little use. 
There's none better than the other. No one can boast that they are anything in themselves. No one can say, look at me. Look at my job. Look at my last name. Look at my bloodline. Look at my social status. Look at the color of my skin. Look at the clothes I wear. Look at the way that I talk. Look at the way that I smell or the way that I walk. Nobody can say that. There's no big eyes and there's no little U's. We're all in the same prison boat of sin. That is what you have in common with everybody that you will meet on planet earth is you're all imprisoned under sin's power. Scripture has concluded everything is under the power of sin. So that the promise might be by faith. Might be for the one that believes and trusts in what Yahweh says. The promise is by faith in the Messiah to those who believe. You've got to believe in the seed, the one seed, to whom Yahweh made that promise back in Genesis. The promise is not by works. The promise is by grace through faith in the Messiah. And so my family, my loved ones here, as I close today, don't forget where Yahweh brought you from. Don't forget of everything that Yahweh has forgiven you of. Don't forget that you deserve death, not life. Don't forget that it was not you that picked your feet up out of the miry clay. You didn't do that. Yahweh did that by His grace. And you didn't deserve it. That's not what grace is. Grace that is deserved is no longer grace. Yahweh picked your feet up out of the miry clay. Yahweh set your feet on the solid rock. Yahweh established your goings. Yahweh put a new song in your heart, even praise unto His name. You wouldn't praise Yahweh's name if He had not had grace upon your life. You wouldn't give praise to the King of all kings and the Creator of everything if He had not had grace upon your life. You wouldn't. He used His free will to set you free through and in. His beloved Son, our Messiah. Don't ever forget this, brothers and sisters. If there would have been a law that could have given life, then righteousness would have been by the law. But Scripture has concluded that everything is under sin's power so that the promise might be by faith. By faith. If you think this is too much grace, Oh, Brother Matthew, that's too much grace preaching. You haven't heard anything yet. But if you think it's too much grace, then you've yet to realize that you can't have too much grace. You need all the grace you can get. (laughs) And so does Brother Matthew. Trust in Yahweh's promise today. And if you have, then I say to you, continue to trust in Yahweh's promise. When Yeshua came on the scene after Yohanan the baptizer and He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means near. Repent and believe the gospel. The words repent and believe in both Greek and English are an ongoing thing. So if you say, well, I've already put my faith in the Messiah, Brother Matthew, continue to do so. Continue to do so. Continue to repent. Continue to believe. Every day that you wake up, tell Yahweh, I believe that you're faithful to do what you have promised. Abraham trusted in the promise of Yahweh. The book of Romans said Abraham believed that Yahweh was able to do what he had promised to perform. He was strong in faith, giving Yahweh the glory. 
Paul says. Trust in the promise of Yahweh. Not in yourself. Self will let you down. People will let you down. Let me tell you, when Yahweh swore an oath, He couldn't swear by anything greater. So He swore by Himself. A mediator is not just for one person. But Yahweh is one person. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I love You. I thank You and I praise You. You're great and You are greatly to be praised. Help us, Yahweh, to realize that we are what we are by Your grace. Help us to realize that we love because You first loved us. (laughs) Help us, Yahweh. Sometimes, Father, sometimes, Father Yahweh, I get my eyes off of that and I start thinking that I'm accomplishing things. Yahweh, I pray that You would rebuke me in that area. And you'd help me to understand more and more how much I need you and that I cannot save myself. Father, I love everyone here. If there's anyone here that doesn't have a new heart, I pray that through the preaching of the word today, that new heart will be granted. We pray all these things through your Son, our beloved Messiah. Amen.